You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday. We are back and doing it. Locked On Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team Every day, I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverine's Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group, and we are going to get into it. There's not a heck of a lot going on right now, but I expect that to kind of change just because that's we kind of feel like we're back to how things used to be to some degree, where there's just something every day. I mean, granted, wrote seven articles today between Trent and I. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash college60 and use the, co- uh, the code college60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Um, so there's a couple things that I want to get into today, and I'm going to pull them up here. Ah, working internet. It is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. Bear wall is not a wonderful thing if you're watching. Um... So there's a couple things that I do want to get into. I did an article over the weekend on Saturday, uh, five football players whose stock I think is rising. I got more than that, but I want to, I want to get into that. I, I, I know it's kind of a compliment to the, uh, defensive, I guess the offensive and defensive, uh, charts, the depth charts that I, we did last week, but, uh, I want to get into that, and we'll kind of see where that goes. There's some other things, like ESPN ranked uh, the, the quarterbacks in 2023. J.J. McCarthy was on that list. Um, and uh, there are some other things that I just that we'll just see what we get to. So the first thing is, is I did a list of five, and I could have gone further. I started putting got some guys like A.J. Barner and Chris Jenkins on that because, I mean, their stock is rising, right? But I think that those are known commodities to some degree. So I think that people probably aren't, you know, it's like I'm not going to be like, yeah, J.J. McCarthy, his stock is rising. I mean, it is. That's not what people are clicking, right? Blake Corum. Spoiler alert. Blake Corum's probably going to be pretty good in 2023. Donovan Edwards is probably going to be pretty good in 2023. Um... So there's certainly some some stuff like that, but uh, I I think that uh, there there are some players that we can get to that are maybe a little bit more under the radar, and we've talked about them, but I think it's a, it, we can collect them again in this one space here. So the first name that I thought of was Zeke Barry. Uh, he didn't have like this super incredible stat line: four tackles, three solo interception. Um, but I mean, for a guy that we've been kind of just waiting to see him step up this last year, because he kind of felt like the uh, outside of Will Johnson, the best of the bunch in that group of defensive backs that Michigan brought in. All, all of them are are pretty exciting, right? You know, it's obviously Will Johnson's very exciting. Um, then you look at some others that are, you know, Cody Jones. Well, I think he kind of got overshadowed with his commitment because he committed the same day as uh, uh, the name escapes me. It's right there on the tip of my tongue. He ended up going to Ole Miss, flipping to Ole Miss, but they're both out of Tennessee. And it was like, what is happening right now? Michigan's getting these Tennessee guys. Cody Jones didn't impress, unfortunately, that much, in my opinion, in the spring game. But Zeke Berry very much did. Uh, as did another name that we're going to talk about, who I also listed. I'm just making sure I listed him, and that's Miles Pollard. So that's that's good news. You've got two of those defensive backs starting to shine. 
on top of the fact that you got Will Johnson. There's still some that we're waiting to kind of see on, right? Like, we want to see some Damani Dent. I know he was injured last year. Um, I don't know that he did anything. Let's, let's double check just to be sure here. Uh, super fast internet. So wonderful. <laughs> if you've been watching or listening to the show anytime in the last, like, four months, it's... It's been some. Uh, sorry, I'm not seeing Damani Dent listed whatsoever. But Miles Pollard didn't have necessarily a, a huge stat line. He had uh, one tackle, and but he also had the interception, 29-yard return. So that's good enough, I think, to get you on the list. The So then the other two, like I mentioned, are Damani Dent and Keon Sab. Keon Sab was out there a lot. He had two tackles. One of them was a tackle for loss or half a tackle for loss. Nothing, uh, nothing crazy to report there. Uh, but at least right now they're hitting on three of five. I think Keon Sab will be fine and ready for his time. Now, the thing about Zeke Berry is he's fighting kind of for that other spot, right? Like, we're, you know, the wouldn't say the other spot, but fighting to be in a rotation that's already pretty deep because you got three co-starters for two positions. And then you've also got, uh, you know, a couple other guys like Quentin Johnson Got Caden Colasar when he comes back, so it, it, it's you got to step things up. And at least he did something in the spring game that says, okay, maybe that's possible, right? So that's good. Um, as far as Miles Pollard and his path, there it's a little bit easier, right? Because really now they're they're very excited about Amarion Walker. He's still a little raw. We don't know exactly. Could it be Jade McBurrows? Could it be, you know, or do they just end up moving Mike Sanders still over? There's a little bit more of a path there for him. Next name that I have here on the list is Frederick Moore. I very well could have put Peyton O'Leary. I'm still <laughs> leery. I think that he could, he certainly can and will be in the rotation. But guys that are recruited in obviously just have an inside track. And even though his performance wasn't as exciting or as impressive as Peyton O'Leary, I mean, he's only been around for a couple months. And he's he looked the part. He was used early and often. I know his, his, his big, long play kind of came later in the game, but he got on the field early and often. Michigan's not afraid to, to put out some, some freshman receivers out there. They might not necessarily catch on right away, but like, you know, guys like Ronnie Bell, you know, Cornelius Johnson, they started getting getting in a bit. Um, obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Shriek Black, but that was a lot more necessity-driven than it was uh, because just because they were good. I mean, they were good, but it was a little bit more necessity-driven. If they still had Amara Darbo and J.U. Chesson, uh, those guys would have been had to wait a year. Nikhil Collins didn't really see time until late in the year. But I think Frederick Moore, we're going to see a little bit earlier. Maybe. <laughs> um, that's obviously what we think every year. It's what I thought last year with Darius Clemens and uh, and uh, Tyler Morris and Omarion Walker, and we didn't really see much of them at all throughout the year. We saw them maybe in spot duty. I think Frederick Moore and Samaj Morgan can break that, but I'm going with Frederick Moore. He put on the more impressive spring game. Again, they need receivers to step up. It's one of the few positions that I feel is not uh, it has not been playing up to to, to code so to speak. Uh, and then my lat, no, I got two more here. Benjamin Hall is my next one. And actually, let's talk about him here in a moment uh, we're, because we are, uh, we're up against it. 
Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your bet, get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Really tongue-tied there to sign up. FanDuel, official, official partner of Major League Baseball. Had all kind of, if, you, if, you, if you're listening to an ad-supported version of the show, there's all kinds of weird things that were going on there for me. Per usual, though, I think you're all used to it. Can't read. Very sad. Um... <laughs> Benjamin Hall, let's just continue on with uh, what I was about to say about him. Benjamin Hall makes my list, makes my cut of five stock, you know, stock rises. I think he's the one that has the greatest opportunity to see the field in year one of any of the freshmen. Uh, he was my pick. They asked me for USA Today HSS to pick one recruit that I'm most excited about. I, and this was written before the spring game. I picked Benjamin Hall. Because I, I think that he's going to see some time in the rotation. They've definitely not shied away from freshman running backs. If you make a big mistake, yeah, you might get taken out a little bit like C.J. Stokes did last year. But certainly he has competition. C.J. Stokes, Kalel Mullings. I think regardless, he's going to see time. Because he has a different skill set than what everyone else does. You saw it with your own eyes. The Hassan Haskins type thing where he gets the hole and you think he's dead to rights and he's just dragging a bunch of defenders and they all move until he gets a big game. That is something Hassan Haskins used to do. And they don't have that with lightning and lightning. They don't have that. They're trying to get that with uh, Kalel Mullings. But I just feel like CJ Stokes is maybe a little bit more balanced than the lightning lightning. He might be a decent change of pace, but Benjamin Hall is just a full-on change of pace. I think we're going to see him regardless of anyone else ahead of him. I think that they're, they're honestly, they're looking at those legs churning, and they're like, let's go. Let's get him out there and see what he can do, especially in those first three games. You're definitely going to see, I think, a heavy dose of Benjamin Hall. And I'm, ex- I'm not going to lie, I'm excited about it. I don't know why I have to say. I'm not going to lie. I think that makes sense. Um, last one on my list of five is uh, Jair Hill. A little bigger than you would think for maybe a slot guy. I know we talked about that on Saturday with the whole, um, you know, me putting him in as a nickel. I don't, I don't think it necessarily matters if he's a nickel. I think that they're going to probably play him the same way, at least the way that they played Will Johnson. They're just going to get him out there, get him acclimated, knowing that he has the talent to do some things. So I, I think that fully Jair Hill, and he looked really good in the spring game, definitely needs a few cheeseburgers. He can have mine. I need less. So looking forward to getting my treadmill here. And I'm also not looking forward to getting my treadmill here. It's a double-edged sword. But... um yeah, I, I just think that he, I mean, he had four tackles, also three solo in the spring game. It, it's If it was a different position, if it was linebacker or uh, 
edge rusher or interior, I, I think it might be a different story, but corner being such a big question mark, just like wide receiver to some degree, I feel like there's an opportunity there that maybe doesn't exist otherwise. So I think that they'll find a way to get Jair Hill on the field and to the spring game just looked really good. Certainly there are others, like I mentioned, A.J. Barner. He showed you kind of that Luke Schoonmaker style with a little bit more of a pass-catching ability, I would say. Maybe not quite as rumbling, but certainly with a similar frame. A little bit smaller, I think, than Luke was. Uh, But uh, I think that you're definitely going to see a lot of him. And then we saw a lot of those guys flash that we needed to see flash. Chris Jenkins, we saw him come in and flash just the way that we thought. So... All things the same, I think that it's a good situation uh, that, that Michigan has. The one place where I am curious is, does the culture stay the same? Because there is a lot of, you, you know, Biff Poji did play a big role in the culture shift. So I, I do think that that's worth questioning is, is, does the culture stay the same? And I think it will, at least for this year. Next year, we'll really know, and especially if there's, you know, if you, you lose everybody, if you lose JJ, you lose, you're going to lose Blake. If you lose Donovan, uh, you, if you lose, you're going to lose Cornelius. I'd imagine you're going to lose Roman Wilson. You're going to lose a lot of guys. So you hope that the culture is being instilled and kept in a same way that those things go hand in hand, right? The stock rising, uh, the success, potential success of Michigan this year, all of those things kind of work together. So that's my thoughts on that. Let's move on. So JJ McCarthy, ESPN put out their list of top 10. Uh, I thought it was returning quarterbacks. I looked after I published. It's just, I mean, it was just top 10, 2023 quarterbacks. Not an Ohio State QB to be found. Rare situation. Uh, Nor an Alabama one. Nor a Georgia one. There was a Michigan one. It was J.J. McCarthy. But he was all the way down at number eight. I think he came in at number seven on PFF. So this is not like it's, you know, it, it, you can sit there and look at it and be like, hey, wait a second. But then you read some of the names and you're like, okay, that tracks. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's uh, you know, all, guys like Drake May was number two. Um, number one was Caleb Williams. Sam Hartman, I believe, was one spot ahead of him. All these guys that were kind of the talk of the of the sport were ahead of them. Okay, there were a couple of people that were kind of surprises, I think. I mean, uh, Jordan Travis was ahead of him from FSU. I, I don't know if I would have that necessarily. But then again, I watched some FSU, and he was kind of slinging it. I think pretty much everybody's stat lines looked a lot better than J.J. McCarthy's did. But that's, I think, also a positive for J.J. is he doesn't have to go out and do it alone. He's got those running backs that can help him out. It's not just going to be the J.J. McCarthy show. So we will see. But eight ended up feeling pretty appropriate for him. And the good news is that hopefully that's fuel, right? Hopefully that's like, all right. And one of the things that I was asked about on, uh, on Sirius XM this morning is, what changed? What's different? And it's like, well, number one, they're returning all these guys. Things don't have to be a wholesale change. But you also have uh, a lot of guys that can get better. Like JJ McCarthy can get better. Last year was just his first year of, uh, of starting. So you hope that he gets better. You hope that suddenly they, they take things, 
take the shackles off and let him do some things. That would be what Michigan needs in order to win a national championship. Take the shackles off. Yes, having the run game, really good. And you can do it without it necessarily. I mean, you as long as you you know still have that bruising offensive line. But like I mentioned on SiriusXM this morning, uh, Georgia had two years with Stetson Bennett, right? Well, they had three. One, the first year was kind of like, you know, they, they trotted out um, Dwan Mathis from Oak Park, and that didn't work. And he had, I, I don't know if he got injured or if they just pulled him. And then in comes Stetson Bennett, and it's like, oh, hey, this kid's all right. But it was that was it. It was like, yeah, oh, this kid's all right. He's like a poor man's Jake Fromm. And they didn't win at all the next year. It was like, you know, oh, this kid's still all right. But, man, they've got all of these running backs, Amir White and um, the other dude, Kendall, whatever his name is. Uh, again, so good with names. If you introduce yourself to me, by the way, I will forget your name literally as I'm saying it back to you. It's not because I don't care. It's because my brain can't even say the word brain right, as you could just hear. Um, so same thing. Kendall Milton is who I'm thinking of. So I might, forget, I might forget your name and then remember it later. It's just how that works. They had all these guys, right? So they didn't really need it. Plus, they had the defense. You know, they had Jordan Davis. I mean, he was just a monster. He was like six of me, and I'm certainly overweight at this moment in my life. Um, but uh, I, I think that if Michigan's defense, which it looked like it was still leading the way, despite the offense having so much going for it, it should be a situation where, I don't know, I just, I just feel like you don't necessarily need J.J. to be crazy, crazy good. If he can, but then Stetson Bennett, where I'm, I'm tangenting so much, I'm forgetting the point here. Stetson Bennett then last year was like the fifth best passer in college football. And if you watch that national championship game, he was just out there doing beastly things. Right. And you're like, why did he not win the Heisman? Granted, he was in the, in the conversation. So you see guys getting better year over year and he was a walk on. What about a five star? I think that JJ made improvement year over years thus far. It's hard to really evaluate because they used him in such specific spot duty, but he got better as the season went on. I mean, yeah, he looked awesome in the beginning, kind of whatever in the middle, and then awesome for the most part in the end, save for some mistakes, obviously, in the TCU game. If he gets better, if he takes that step that you usually see quarterbacks take from year two to year three, then Michigan is in a really, really good spot. All right, I have a bone to pick. We're going to get to that here in a moment. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, our typical off-season hype train has picked up where it has left off every year. This is a topic of conversation we've had on this show multiple times, but since it's a new year, it's worth bringing out once again. Guys, we all need to just hold a second on Penn State. <laughs> Today, it comes courtesy of actually one of the people I talked to this morning on the radio, Matt McGloin, who went to Penn State. I love Matt McGloin. I like being beginning to talk to him, but I, I saw 24-7 Sports had uh, you know their national news desk. They... 
They must have also been listening or Matt McGloin went on something else. Uh, wasn't listening to my segment. They, they talked about, you know, Penn state and, you know, a bunch of other schools in Indiana. And, uh, it, he, I guess like the whole thing is beat Michigan. If you're Penn state beat Michigan now is more important than beat Ohio state. Maybe that seems more attainable. I mean, also Michigan is the, is the king of the mountaintop two years running. So, that's an interesting change in direction compared to where things used to be. And that's, I think, uh, it's a welcome one. Not to sound awfully Emperor Palpatine or Senator Palpatine at that time, but that's where we're at. Um, but there, there's certainly this, oh, Penn State could do it. Penn State could do it. Drew Aller's got so much talent. Penn State could do it. I'm not going to say Penn State isn't a talented team. I do think it is. Penn State is kind of in wonder James Franklin is where Harbaugh seemed to be to some degree, except for Harbaugh went into Happy Valley and beat James Franklin year one. Brady Hoke had beaten James Franklin uh, in his last year, James Franklin's first year. It's always been Michigan teams that deserve to get beat by Penn State that get beat by Penn State, even including 2020 when both teams were a mess. Michigan was was down to no quarterbacks in that game. So it's not a surprise that they lost that game. It was just kind of whimpering, get get out of there, get out of this season. Let's just end it. <laughs> um, but generally, the only two times that James Franklin, or three times that James Franklin has beaten Michigan is because he's had a better Penn State team than what Michigan was. And yes, some of those games, you know, college game day was there in 2019 and, and certainly it was uh it was a feeling like you know these are two heavyweights. I mean Michigan 2019 was not that good ultimately, right? And Michigan should have won that game too. They spotted them 21 before they decided to start playing. 2017 different story. Michigan also not good in 2017. Penn State was pretty good. Probably would have been much better if they didn't get interrupted by a uh a rainstorm, the same one that delayed Michigan versus Minnesota, delayed them at Michigan State while they were off to the races and somehow, somehow Michigan State comes back. Um, being on the same floor as her, you're going to hear her every now and again. Barking at whatever's outside. Air, thin air. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Penn State love now, it's just kind of like, when are we going to learn our lesson, people? Right, I got into my spat with Ari Wasserman last year. And, you know, because he's like, oh, the only team that could challenge Ohio State in the Big Ten to win a national championship is Penn State. Look at their recruiting. Look at blah, blah, blah. Michigan was an aberration. And then Michigan goes and does, uh, does it again, literally the exact same thing, win the Big Ten, lose in the semifinal of the college football playoff. James Franklin hasn't even been to the college football playoff, right? And for all this talk of Penn State and, you know, it's all oh, they're right there. He's what three and five against Michigan, and or more than that now, right? Three and six against Michigan. Uh, he's three and no, sorry, one and eight against Ohio State. It it's not a good record, and he's still the man at the top, still coaching it. Even if he gets talent, if Drew Aller is really talented, you still have to have a coach pulling the strings here. Don't get me wrong. That's the scariest game on the schedule outside of Ohio State this year. It, there's a chance it's scarier than Ohio State. 
certainly they they Penn State was a closer game in 2021 at Penn State was a closer game than Ohio State was that same year. But I don't know that that means anything. So guys, everyone, I know everyone listening to me doesn't. You're all on the same page probably. But if if you if you are sitting down with your national media member and they're wanting to tell you all about why Penn State is so great and so going to do something, blah, blah, blah. Just just ask them to get some help. You know, just sit down with them, have an intervention. Let them know that we're here for them. Let them know that we care and that's why we are intervening at the moment because there is nothing that Penn State has done. Yes, they've done good on the recruiting trail. Guess what? They always have. They're always a pretty good team. Even when they're not a good team, they're, they're just like Michigan. They'll have their off years. But it's not, it's not an elite team. Maybe Drew Aller gets them over the hump there. I don't think having the quarterback has been their issue. They've had some pretty good quarterbacks. Maybe they aren't setting the world on fire. Certainly some have underachieved, like Christian Hackenberg. But guys, we just we gotta we've gotta get these people the help they deserve. All right, that's all I have today. We will be back on Tuesday talking about who knows what. We'll see what's in the news. We'll probably be doing these night shows for a little while still. It's keeping with the, the standard. Um and then and then once we kind of feel like we've got I you know, I can wake up hit the treadmill, all that kind of stuff, then we're going to start getting these out around noon. That is my plan. Hopefully it won't take too long to implement. All right, thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you soon. Peace.